Hello, welcome to Planning to Grow. This is Jeff McManus, and today we have a special guest with us that's going to join us on planningtogrow.com. We are fortunate enough to have the landscape manager for the Biltmore Estates with us, Suzanne Waddell. Suzanne comes to us from a, a rich history of large property management. She graduated from Auburn University in 1988 in ornamental horticulture and proceeded on to go to Walt Disney World and Epcot Center. There, uh, she had great uh, experiences there and, and went on to Callaway Gardens in South Georgia and then now is at, currently at the Biltmore Hotel. Uh, I'm sorry, the Biltmore Estates. Suzanne, welcome. Thank you. How, describe a little bit for our listeners uh, a little bit what you do at the Biltmore. It, we know if, if folks have fortunate enough to been, be there, and of course I was there a couple of years ago and, and talked to you, it is the largest and the uh, I, I believe one of the prettiest homes I've ever seen in the United States, and, and you're the one that makes all of it happen. Give us a little bit of description about what you do at the Biltmore. Well, Biltmore Estate is currently 8,000 acres. Um, I am responsible for the 75 acres of historic gardens that are adjacent to the house and also the three-mile approach road, and we have some other adjacent um, historic gardens or historic areas that Frederick Ballstead was responsible for designing their concepts. I'm responsible for their current upkeep maintenance and also planning and designing restoration projects in those areas. Well, you recently you told me that you were getting ready to oversee a large project. I believe it's, um, was it Flower Carpet? Was that the name of it? I think we'll start this Saturday. It is on um, the south terrace of the house that is approximately of a quarter of an acre. And we will lay out um, blooming annuals that are still in the four-inch pot and create a pattern that will look like a like a tapestry that you would put on your floor or hang on your wall. And it'll be um, open to the public from August 14th until August 30th. That sounds exciting. And I know on your webpage on BiltmoreEstates.com that you guys have a link to that as well. And it and actually shows video of you guys doing last year's and putting it together. That was really amazing. Uh, now, in, all, in maintaining everything around the gardens, is your primary focus, are you trying to keep it as uh, Mr. Vanderbilt did as when he opened the house, or does the, does the landscape progressively change? What is, the, what is the concept on that? Landscape progressively changes. Um, of course, also understood that plants were going to grow, things were going to change. Uh, we have a lot of great specimen plants that are... 50 to 100 years old, and we maintain those to the best health that we can. As we have things die out or um, are removed due to storm damage, we go back to old drawings and old documents and research what the initial plan was and, and try to restore um, some things back as, as, accurate, as, as accurately as we can. Um, but we do know things have changed over the years that uh, the owners of the property want to change. So um, some of it will go back to original, but then a lot of it is we just try to maintain it in its current state. Does the Biltmore currently have areas that are, are more nat native or natural 
and less manicured? And how do you, how do you handle the transition between the two? We do. The majority of our property is either in forest management or in pasture land um, because we do raise our own cows and sheep. And uh, a lot of the transition is based on um, documentation that we've had from Olmstead. He wanted the, the forest to transition into the field by trees slowly thinning out and then scattered into the edges of the fields. And that's the look that we still maintain today. We do have grass underneath a lot of our trees because that's something that Olmstead specified he wanted, and we want our estate to look different than any other place that you would visit. So when a guest comes to Biltmore, they know they're in a unique, special place. And that, that's true, Suzanne. I was there a couple of years ago, and you are right. There, I've, I've not visited anywhere that's quite like the Biltmore. If you're just joining us, Suzanne Waddell is here with us. She's the property uh, landscape manager for the Biltmore Estates. We're interviewing her today by telephone. And so, uh, Suzanne, uh, during the cold and winter months, what do you find your guys doing if you're not – you're not trimming shrubs maybe as much, or you're not cutting grass. What are typically are you guys doing during the winter months? Oh, we're busy. We don't have a downtime. Uh, we do a lot of our mulching in the winter time. We um, any wood clearing that we need to do, like for instance, this past summer we had a storm come through in late June, uh, so we still have a lot of trees that need to get cleaned up. That are they're currently out of the guest view but we know they're still there so that's a lot of what we'll do this winter um, we do a lot of our landscape restoration projects in the winter time two years ago we uh, we built a pond and did some stream restoration work um, we do a lot of our tree pruning in the winter time and we're also responsible for snow and ice removal if we have a storm so that keeps us busy so, dear, tell us a little bit about your trees now. Obviously, some of those trees are, are hundreds of years old. Do you guys do anything special with those, especially near the house or, or near your high visibility areas that, that you may want to save? Is there any special maintenance? Do you put any lightning prevention in any of your trees, or do you do any type of prevented uh, feeding program or anything like that to help your trees? Do you uh, have lightning protection in trees that have that are um, deemed to be special or significant? We also have uh, significant trees that we provide supplemental irrigation where it's accessible to do that. Um, we do uh, pruning to keep the, um, the dead plants out. I mean, the dead limbs out. Structural pruning to protect the trees. We also where we have really big oak trees in pastures. We have those stents to keep the cattle from um, getting up, up underneath the trees and compacting the soil. That's probably a really good idea. A lot of people may not think about that, but uh, you you have a unique situation where the cattle actually can cause a lot of compaction, and as we know, compaction can be the, a real detrimental to those large trees. Yeah, we've watched... Um, watched several trees that declining in the pasture land and our arborist has been very proactive and worked with our um, agriculture managers and they've been very cooperative in helping us to uh, protect those trees. Well, Suzanne, I know from 
talking to you that I know you don't have a lot that you don't do a lot with the mowing crews per se, but I know I know that's that's somewhat under your area as well. About how many acres do you guys main mow around the house there itself, and and how often do you have to mow it? Wow, um, that's a good question. <laughs> I'm not sure acreage wise. I'm not real sure. We all of our finely mown areas we mow. Uh, twice a week, all of our roadsides get mowed once a week, and then we have fields that are mowed three times a year. Okay, well, that's that sounds like that that around the house can be pretty labor intense as well, uh, twice it a is. week. Uh, tell us a little bit about the weed control in your beds and your shrub beds and things. What do you guys do there at the Biltmore to uh, just sort of walk us through uh, a yearly program briefly? on what you do to try to prevent weeds and um, how you manage your weeds? Well, we keep all our beds mulched. And a newly renovated area or a newly planted area will use a pre-emergent in those beds. Um, and a lot of times I'll purchase a fertilizer that has that pre-emergent tagged onto it. So it's less labor-intensive. I only have... They only have to go out and broadcast one product versus two. Um, usually after three to four years, we'll, we'll back off of that pre-emergent. Uh, so we do a lot of uh, post-emergent spraying and also hand pulling where, where applicable. What about, now you've mentioned mulches a couple of times. What do you like to use there around the houses? Do you guys use hardwood mulch, uh, pine bark? Do you use pine straw? Give us a little bit about what you use and if you know about how much you use in a typical year. We mostly use uh, hardwood mulch because um, we we make it ourselves on property with our um, with the trees and the limbs that we, that we take out. And then um, we also have areas where we use leaf mulch. We collect not only our leaves, but the leaves from part of the city of Asheville and, and compost them. Um, there are a few areas that we use pine straw uh, just because of the labor that it would cost to put out hardwood mulch and then also areas that uh, it, it just it works better to have that, um, that make the right word, oxygen exchange in the soil. Mm -hmm. um, but we have that in, so most of the places we try to use the hardwood mulch and the leaf mulch. Do you find you have any problems at all with your homemade hardwood mulch as far as termites are concerned? We haven't had problems with termites. Um, we, we've been able to collect enough wood that we, we have a tough grinder come in, grind it, and then we'll let it sit for about three or four months and age before we have to use it. Um, we have had problems where the like if the pile of mulch would catch on fire, mm -hmm. and it would deplete the nutrients out of the soil. So we have to be really careful about that. And the leaf mulch, um, we have to really watch for leaf for um, weeds because uh, we will tend to have more in that mulch. Do you guys like to go through and hand pick your weeds, or do you do a do you spot spray them? Uh, with weed control, or how do you try to manage your po your post weed control? I guess is once they've already broken the surface and popped up. How do you guys find it works good for you? Most of our shrub beds, 
spray. Um, for the annuals and the perennials, we do a lot of a lot of hand pulling. Is that because the plants are closer together and it's harder to target out the weeds? It is. They're, they're very close. It, it would be very hard to spray and, uh, and hit the, the plant that we want to, you know, not to not spray the plants that we don't want to. And in a bigger mulched area, it, it's easier. It's more. Um, it's less labor intensive to spray a chemical versus hand pull. If you're just joining us, we have Suzanne Woodell here with us on planningtogrow.com. Suzanne manages the Biltmore Estate uh, Gardens. She has um, been there for eight years and has done a wonderful job. Uh, Suzanne is also a certified grounds, prop, uh, grounds manager from the um, organization, uh, grant, let's see, what is that, G, what is that, organi- what is that, the grounds... PGMS, the P- Professional P- Grounds Management Society. That's right. And then, and Suzanne also is responsible for winning the national award in 2007, the Grand Star, uh, the, the Green Award. And so she has accomplished a lot there. She's put in a lot of programs and, and helped with implementing the policies that, are, that have made the, the Biltmore in the last eight years uh, an award-winning property. Suzanne, tell us a little bit about your pruning you do you guys do when i was there it just seemed like all your plants look so nice and and healthy and and pruning seems to be a big part of that tell us a little bit on, on your style of pruning and what you're doing um, most of our plants we try to maintain the natural growth so um as we're pruning we keep that in mind uh, we'll take out any weak branches um try to do thinning cuts and anything we're trying to maintain the height of, we'll uh, prune it back to where it, it, it keeps its natural growth. We've got a few sh- uh, hedges that we shear. Um, there's a hemlock hedge in the Italian garden, and there's a holly hedge in the walled garden. We do those in, um, we'll do those late July, early August, so that any new growth that is, that it, generates will harden off before um, our really cold temperature. And the reason why we don't prune them twice is just because of the labor intensity that it is. And we have to rent a, a lift and we also rent a laser level to make sure that we keep the hedge um, sheared properly. And we, um, we have a rose garden and we do the majority um, of the pruning for those plants in late January, early February. Now, so what I'm hearing you say is you do a combination of shearing and hand-selective pruning. Is that right? Right. The majority of our, of our plants are hand-selected. Okay. Now, do you teach your staff how to go in into the canopy so that you can't see the cuts? Or are you guys, or do you just, do they hand-snip right on top of the shrubs and box them and ball them all up? The majority of the time, we, we go into the shrub uh, to hide the cuts. Because, well, number one, for the aesthetic speed, you don't see it. And then also, it's shaded. It's not going to generate this new growth that much faster. Um, there are occasions where we it's hard to do that if we're trying to bring the shrub back down to a certain size. But for the most part, we've got to hide them. I agree. Uh, do you find that, uh, that, that this actually lowers your maintenance trimming? Or do you find that it actually, you have to, it takes you... 
over a period of a year or two, do you spend more time pruning or less time by doing selective hand pruning? Definitely less time. Yeah, I agree. That's you know, it's interesting. You see that you see the folks that, that shear up and box, and, and they move quick through. But in the long run, they're there more often, aren't they? Well, and that also creates uh, disease problems because you don't get the air movement through the plant. Good point. That's an excellent point. You also don't get that new growth stimulated in, down inside the plant either. So you just have all your foliage up on the top. So Correct. very, very bad. Well, tell me some of your biggest challenges that you run into at the Biltmore Estate. Oh, wow. Some of the biggest ones are all of the projects, I guess, and the special things that they want us to do and still maintaining the gardens. For instance, the uh, flower carpet that we'll start installing this weekend, we still have summer annuals and perennials in the ball garden that still have to be maintained. Weeds um, and beds that still need to be pruned and pulled, grass that still needs to be cut. So, have to juggle that labor to make those special things happen, but yet still keep the grounds maintained. <laughs> that's that's quite a juggling act you have there. In, in managing a large property, is there any advice that you could give, and or any anything that you guys are doing to help cut cost? Or things that you that you've implemented or are been a part of that you feel like have lowered costs. You probably do them every day and don't even think about them anymore. But are there any ideas that you could share with us? Uh, well, uh, one of the ways we saved money is generating our own mulch. Um, we have. I'm not sure how much money it's. We haven't really calculated the cost, but we've um, this year we've started installing some rain barrels. Uh, that we use the water for filling up our like backpack sprayers, and we're working on um, trying to get some cisterns installed on buildings to be uh, used to fill up our water wagons for watering. Currently, we're filling them up out of fire hydrants, so we're having to uh, pay money for that. So um, that we haven't done a, a cost per gallon, but um, I know it'll save us some money when we get those implemented. Um, make sure we, we really try to stay on top of maintaining our equipment properly so we don't have the maintenance cost of something that is broken down due to operator neglect. Um, this is one that I can think of. Well, those are good. Those are, those are some very good ideas uh, that you brought up. Is the built, do you find that you're, um, that there's a, a push for sustainability, and that seems to be the buzzword, much like Xeroscape was the buzzword 20 years ago. What is uh, What can you tell us about the Biltmore and sustainability? Oh, it is a, um, a big word going around and also being green. Um, and I've asked the question of, you know, what exactly is sustainability? Uh, I think that, that we generate our own um, mulch. And our arborist has teamed up with a group of craftsmen that um, if we know we have to take a large tree down, they'll actually come in and evaluate it and see what they can use the wood for. And they have a portable sawmill that they'll come in and cut planks specific to a project that they're going to do. And that has kept a lot of wood waste out of our, our dumps and um, greatly reduced the amount because we used to have excess chips that we, we couldn't go 
in a year, and now we're generating, creating about the same amount of mulch that we use every year. What do you do with your landscape debris when you when you guys have all your clippings and and so forth? What do you do with those? They go to. We have two different uh, dump sites. One is called a herbaceous dump site, where we compost that material and create a soil amendment out of it. And then the other one we call our woody stump dump, and uh, that material gets ground into our mulch product. The woody stump. The woody. What is it called? The woody stump dump. The woody stump so if dump. If it's a, a woody material, whether it's a limb that you've pruned off of a shrub right. or a tree that we've taken down, um, we even put bamboo in that dump because it can be ground with a tub grinder. Oh, and that's, that's what creates our um, hardwood mulch that we use on property. Now, do you do you guys treat that mulch at all, or do you do you just use it after your three or four months of, of letting it sit? Do you treat it at all? No, we don't treat it. We just we let it cook for that three or four months, and then we then we use it. I got I got to think that on a, on a, a property as large as you guys manage, that you have deer there. Do you ever do you ever have issues with deer or other rodents or, or, or type of uh, animals? I don't guess deer or rodents, but uh, any type of critters that are coming in. And how do you how do you manage those? And what do you do about that? We have a lot of deer. Um, we manage our deer population with hunting. Um, our owner likes to see big bucks, mm-hmm. so we kind of bend the herd out to that, um, which big bucks aren't necessarily conducive to a landscape environment because of warning the trees. Um, in the fall, we'll put cages around the trees that are small enough to be damaged by the deer. Uh, we also put um, like a black plastic fencing up um, tree on a shrub where we know there's deer pads that they'll eat at. Um, we don't use a lot of the the sprays because you have to go back every two to three weeks and it's just too labor intensive. Um, we do have a fence, an eight foot fence around the historic gardens, which helps keep the deer out of that area. So cages and barricades sounds like a um, a way of barricades, really. You guys are heavy into barricades, and I get. And am I hearing you right? In the fall, you're doing that more in the fall. We thought we we put the fencing up in the in the fall before they start their um, their rutting season, where they're where they're moving around a lot, and then we'll we'll take them down in the spring when their uh, natural food source is in the woods. I see. Very good. Well, Suzanne, we have enjoyed our interview with you, and we appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule. As I know you, you've talking to you earlier, you have a lot on your plate and a lot going on. Um, is there any one? I just like to ask you one or two more, more questions. Is for the homeowner that's out there and they come to a property like you have and you manage, and it's just a gorgeous site. It's it's inspiring, but then at the same time, it almost seems overwhelming. Is there any advice that you could give to the to the folks that are out and just trying to maintain a lawn or, or their or their yard and don't have a staff? What are some helpful hints that you might provide to to those those folks? Well, um, I guess a lot of it depends on you know how much you like to be outside and how much you like to garden. Low maintenance. Um, 
um, making sure you put the right plant in the right place. Um, if you only want the plant to be six foot tall, don't plant one that grows 20 foot tall because you're constantly having to prune it. Um, I like to tell people to look around and see what they like. And, you know, they can repeat those same plant combinations at their house. Um, for turf, uh, make sure you get the right turf for your area. You know, don't try to grow something that, um, like if you try to grow fescue, tall fescue in uh, mid-Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, it's just really labor-intensive with the water in the summertime. So um, just making sure you get the right plant for the right place. Well said, well said. You can spend a lot of extra time trying to cut Ely Agnes right in front of a window. And um, <laughs> it's uh, a lot of it goes back to just knowing knowing what you like and then and, and maybe even talking with a professional about what you should and shouldn't plant. Uh, right. And, the, you know, the, the county extension agents are just a wealth of free information. That's true. That's a good point. Well, thank you so much, Suzanne, and we wish you the best uh, at the Biltmore, and we look forward to talking with you again in the future. Thank you for your time. Thanks. If y'all get an opportunity, come see our flower carpet. Thank you. We will. You've been, right, you've been listening to Suzanne Waddell with the Biltmore Estates. Uh, she has the landscape manager for the last eight years there, taking them on to win a national award in 2007. And Suzanne has done an incredible job there. Thank you for joining us here on planningtogrow.com. I'm Jeff McManus. <music>